nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering From Joy podcast. My name is Devin. We're back, baby! Uh, some vintage Austin FC year one and year three performances last night. Uh, we'll run through it again, I guess, because we have to, but... Um, it got a little more interesting in the second half. Um, we're all kind of stretching our muscles back out, getting used to things again. Uh, joining me today, Charles Peacock of the False Nine. Charles, how's it going? You know, I was I was able to get a good night's sleep and uh, try to calm down. And then somebody sent me the link to Josh Wolf's press conference from last night, and I'm just angry again. Oh, good. That's what they're for. Um, Seth, who knows everything, how about you? You know, the um, nicest thing I'll say about last night's match is that I was on a flight from Miami to Chicago for most of it and was watching on my iPhone and that it made the hour delay um, seem less excruciating than watching the match. Uh, I would have fallen asleep during the first half if I were you, but um, Brad, how about you? Uh, So I was talking to uh, my wife leaving the game last night and I was like, you know, I'm way less pissed, but I'm pissed, but in a very different way than last year's opener. Because last year's opener, you still felt some hope. Like, yeah, we just kind of somehow stupidly gave the game away. Whereas last night, it was like, well, we're done here after 15 minutes, and that's fine. Yeah, I went over and talked to you guys at halftime, and I think I said something along the lines of, I've never seen a team extinguish all hope this fast uh, for its fan base. Yeah. Uh, and I stand by that for the entire season. Um, we're missing Drew, you see, but uh, same kind of lineup we rolled out most of last year. Um, Kolmanich healthy again and starting. But did you guys have any kind of visceral reactions before the game to the lineup? Or uh, were you just kind of like, yeah, that's what I expected. Uh, I thought we might see either Obreon or Rubio um, start. Uh, but, you know, what did you guys think? I mean, at a certain point, I was like, okay, Drewsy's not there. Owen's going to be there. If I were coaching, I would have started Valencia over him. And Valencia actually looked okay in the second half last night. Um, that pass, I mean, our midfields, you could have driven a tractor at three miles an hour, and our midfield would have stopped it last night in the first half. Like, that just did it. I have never, like, so much of – Seasons one and three of Austin FC have been defined by what we have collectively termed the horseshoe of sadness. We couldn't even con- construct enough passes in our defense and midfield to form a horseshoe last night in the first half. It was that freaking bad. Uh, it wasn't great. There were actually long stretches where I forgot Danny was even on the field. Yeah. Um, I kept seeing Owen because he kept giving the ball away. Uh, but yeah, most of our midfield was largely invisible. Uh, ring two. Um, I'll go ahead and open this with my analysis that that's the worst half of soccer I've ever seen this franchise play. Uh, any disagreements? So, so I, I spent some time thinking through this question last night, and I think there's four or five other contenders up there. There's the um, what you call it, the, the first half at Violette which that was atrocious on, I mean, actually worse on a goal-scoring front than that, but just, like, more demoralizing in a way. Um, there was the second half at San Jose in 2021, which led to the only press conference where I've really seen Josh Wolf truly lose it. Uh, I think that's the only half where I've actually slammed my laptop shut at a point because I was like, this is truly unwatchable. 
Um, trying to think, there's been a few, and I guess in a weird way, the Galaxy second half last year where we blew the lead, 3-1 lead in like the 89th minute at 1 in the morning was also up there as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was this first half season one in Houston in September was pretty rough, but uh, yeah, last night felt different to me than the Violette game that you mentioned, Seth, because last night was our quote-unquote choice starting 11 minus Dreyusi. Um, And even then, you subbed in for Dreyusi Owen, who's now been in the league three years. Um, That was the most depressing half of soccer. From a play point, I think, yeah, that's one of the worst, if not the worst we've played. From a pure vibes point, it's the most depressing half of soccer I've ever seen us play. Um, Because we had no creativity. The the problem I had with Owen last night, particularly in the midfield, every time he touched the ball, the ball stopped. There was no progression, and there's too much. And I think this is a problem with a lot of the team, quite frankly. There's too much thinking going on in the field. It looks like we're so ingrained into trying to run whatever system that Josh thinks he wants to run. Everybody's trying to think their way through instead of just reacting and play. Because once in the second half, you push – Danny a little further up and let and ring a little further up and let Valencia be the midfielder back there in the back. All of a sudden, along with the subs, all of a sudden the creativity and our ability to just play soccer came out and we started looking better, right? We had chances, quite frankly, we should have finished, but we'll get to the second half later. The when your half your first half strategy is nothing more than send the ball as far as you can and try to chase it down with old dudes who can't run, that is not going to work. And if you noticed as well, anytime our defenders had the ball and would pass back, Minnesota was pouncing. They were all over our ass saying, we do not think you can pass through this because you don't have a way of beating us with a long ball and you don't have a way right now of beating us with the midfield the way you're playing. So, if there's one solace I take out of the game last night, and I, I do mean the only solace I take out of the game last night, I now have much more trust in Roto because the only players who really played worth the damn besides Brad Stuber were the guys that Roto brought in um, during the offseason. Otherwise, abysmal. And anybody, by the way, speaking of Stuber, I saw during the offseason, oh, Loss should be the starter, and we got to get rid of Stuber for this one. Shut the hell up. That game's 3 nothing or 4 nothing at the half without Brad Stuber last night. Seriously, people, understand what you have in goal right now because it's a top-five keeper in MLS. Yeah, I mean, we kind of I, talked about the scoreline not being as bad for some of the other bad halves, but it was a full-on assault on the goal the entire game, or the entire first half. And, I mean, he had three or four just miracle saves and, like, quite frankly, things that shouldn't have even been savable if uh, Minnesota was a little more clinical. He also sprung our best counterattack of the night in the second half. (laughs) Just ridiculous. Yeah, that that was one of those cases of like the the thinking over the playing when Rigoni just got the ball from Stuber and just went and ended up being basically one-on-one with the keeper and decided to pass for reasons that escaped me completely um yeah super i mean super made a save so good last night the minnesota players were congratulating him during the game 
Like, he made the save and they went over and congratulated him while the match was going on while they were setting up for a corner. And it just... I, I think that's the most disappointing thing of the night is just it's the same lineup. It's the same tactics. It's the same excuses by Josh. And all of us can see it with our own eyes that what he's trying to do doesn't work. And until there is a change there, like this is what we were resigned to watching and getting rid of his guys, especially, you know, Zardes who looks completely washed up and, and Finley who really should be more of a backup at this point. Like this is just what we have. There is one new change that they made, and that is um, I can now purchase a souvenir yard of beer that is impossible to drink while watching this bullshit. Um, Wait, how much does that cost? Uh, it's actually, it's still cheaper than the jellyfish. It's not an oh. actual yard. Okay. Um, shrink, no, an actual yard would be like 50 bucks. <laughs> so, um, trying to take some positives, but... <sighs> It is just the same thing. And I guess the nice part about the second half is that we have something different to talk about because we threw on some different players. Um, and yes. We actually controlled a, a decent chunk of the second half. Yeah, bringing on Valencia for Owen centrally, I thought helped solidify the midfield. Um, there was also a change of having Danny drop deeper when we were in possession deep that gave us a little bit better of an outlet than we had in the first half where it was just kind of like, Hedges and and Leo or Julio and Ring just kind of in that like triangle of doom that just only results in back passes to Stuver. Um, the other change I know this is going to be kind of controversial, but like I thought moving Owen to right back actually really helped open up things on the right and his ability on the ball, both both dribbling and passing, and those kind of like wider spaces is a big benefit to the team, and in some ways makes him a better fit for that position than Gallagher. Yes and no. There were quite a few times where he'd recover the ball and Obreon would just be steaming up that side. And all he had to do was whack it in behind the D and Obreon can run onto it and he would just freeze and hold it yeah. and hold it and hold it. And I mean, it's a that's fixable Josh, thing. But... I mean, that's the Josh Wolf programming kicking in of don't kick the ball forward like that. Like, that's just the way it works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got a quarter of the field, kick it to the fast guy. This isn't. I mean, it's not like sexy pep tactics or anything, but like, it works. People in the Premier League I mean, do it. <laughs> when it. Look, the sexiest thing is winning. Yes, and I don't yeah. really. I will say that I thought, especially in the first half when we were under fire so much, there was more of an instinct of players just kicking the ball out as opposed to trying to like retain possession to build back out, which I thought was positive. But it also was just kind of a sign of how badly Austin was was having to bunker to a team that didn't even have its best player. Yeah, and um, other kind of mild positive. I thought Hedges looked good for most of the game. Um, Weissnet obviously had to go off, and I'm going to guess we're not going to see him for a while. Um, I, I think they said plantar fascia, but um, always concerned about somebody coming off a knee injury with something like that. And um, Julio actually looked pretty good when he came on. Um, I mean, he still can't track back from the center line, but everything else I thought he looked pretty good at. And Julio actually tracked back better from the center line than Biro did on the second goal. Oh. If you watch that clip, it is, it's bad. There were a few guys, um, Biro, Danny, maybe a couple others that looked like, I don't want to call Zardes out of shape because I think he's just old. Um, 
but just not game fit. And I don't know how you get to that point in the first game of the season. That's what you should be, at least like conditioning wise, probably pretty close to your peak. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that any differently or. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think besides Biro, I thought everybody at least like looked to be in game shape, but like Seth was saying, like that track back attempt I'm going to go with was, was striking at how, um, at how slow it was and the angle he was taking to get back. Yeah. He's both taller and more awkward looking than I thought he was going to be. Um, like on the field, I don't mean like um, his facial expression, <laughs> um, but yeah, he didn't, I mean, maybe this is sort of the actually getting to know the system thing. He actually showed up like two weeks ago or whatever it was, but um, it didn't look like he knew how to play fullback at all, which is a little concerning. Um, what'd you guys think of the subs? Obviously we said we picked it up a little bit more after that happened, but, um, big roll of the dice and throw on, um, three guys at, uh, I think 57, yeah. um, kind of mixed up the game. It's that, is this the classic, you know, the coach looks like a genius for throwing on the subs that he should have started the game with thing. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'll give him credit. I mean, my bar for Josh Wolf is so low that I did not expect these subs to come until about 68 to 73 in the match. And I was sending – there's multiple texts that I can show receipts on at halftime. I'm like, they better be on by 60, and they were. Wow. Like, I was pleasantly surprised to see that. But, like, I will say in Wolf's uh, post-match press conference, he talked about how it's like, well, yeah, we played better in the second half, but, like, anything could have played better in the second half. And I'm like, yeah, I guess – you are right. When you play that dreadful, that I think it could have brought the four of us on, and it might have looked better than that first half. I legitimately told Devin at halftime last <laughs> night, my indoor team plays faster and more creatively than Austin FC did in the first half last night. <laughs> like, that's bad. That's bad. Um, it, yeah, I thought the subs were fine. I, the subs were good. Like, Oberon... He, his first touch is not the greatest, but, you know, he, he runs and he gets into good spaces and makes dangerous opportunities. Um, it, clearly, Rubio is going to be the starting striker sooner rather than later. Um, Should. Consistently in good Should. Spots. Yeah, got to be. Um, yeah, I still don't quite understand Gallagher going off and Wolf going into his spot. Um, Valencia, Valencia ring Danny right now is our best midfield until Triusi gets back. So I prefer to see that start at Seattle, especially when we're probably going to have Seattle salting our defense for quite a while on next Saturday night. Um, at least help us anchor down the defense a little bit. But in Biro, I don't know. Biro was he got a goal, but yeah, I'm with y'all. He wasn't overly impressive, but. Like I said earlier, the one solace I take from the game last night is I do think that the guys that Roto scouted and Roto went and signed largely performed versus our older core. Um, So that's at least exciting for what could come down the road with future signings. Was that Roto picking out great players or is that – hey, they're new and trying to prove themselves or they haven't been completely beaten down by the system and they don't know that they're supposed to hang their heads at every turn. Um, they haven't been Austin FCified yet. 
<clears throat> Sorry about that. Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, the concerning quote for me out of everything last night came from Danny. Um, Danny said something to the effect of, we're playing to lose too much. And we got to stop playing to lose. And he's absolutely right. Um, but that's a mentality that comes from the coaching. And that, I think, also was expressed by Will Bruin on Twitter last night, right? Uh, where he said, and I got to pull up the exact quote here, but it was all mentality of why we go. He kept asking how Austin FC is continuously playing from behind at home with one of the better home atmospheres in the league. And somebody goes, oh, Will, what do you think leads to that? And it went around Austin FC Twitter last night. It was mentality. It's all pure mentality. And you didn't go any further than that, but there's only one place that can track back to. That tracks back to the head coach and your leadership on the team. Yeah. Um, I think even before the game was over, Riley tweeted at him that he is welcome on the show whenever he wants. So uh, we'll come and join us. Um, we're happy to discuss this a lot more in depth. And like, I guess this is sort of a little piece of why I'm annoyed too, is uh, we've been kind of ramping up and getting ready and we we're all excited to talk about this game. And then we just did the same shit and they're hanging their heads and, um, doing the wacky waving, inflatable arm flailing tube man. What are you guys doing? Motioning at, e motioning at each other. And like, you know, sometimes that happens and you have bad games, but this is other than, you know, maybe half to three quarters of year two. It's who the team is. It's who the club is. And it's, you know, if somebody just says, you know what, instead of spending a hundred bucks on tickets and wasting my Saturday on this, like, I'm going to go do something fun. I wouldn't blame them. Um, nope. obviously we're sickos. We're not going to do that, but, uh, are, are you guys worried about the, the sellout streak at all? I mean, the sellout streak is marketing. I mean, from what I could see from my iPhone last night, it looked pretty full in the stadium. I'll be, I'll, I think I told you guys I'll be there in person, um, for the St. Louis game in 13 days. So I'll be curious how full it is for that. But yeah, if it's a few, if it's a few more performances like that by April, um, there's going to be real visible empty seats, not just in a corner of the supporter section. Yeah. And, uh, the supporter section was great. I was actually pleasantly surprised. TIFO game was good. Um, everybody was there and incredibly loud, like before the game started. I, I walked around a bit with the, before the match. The vibes in the stadium are great beforehand. Yeah. Like I, I really thought, like, hey, man, it's cool, new season, let's go. People are excited to be there. Um, I, I, you ask about do I worry about the sellout streak? I hope it ends sooner than later. Um, because one, it's a spot of ridicule, quite frankly, because it's pretty visible to see that we're not sold out, especially towards the end of last year. But two, and more importantly, the moment that we don't start filling the stadium every week is the moment real pressure starts on Josh Wolf. If we actually want to see change. Because that pressure is going to have to come from pre-court. And he's going to be the one ultimately making the change. Roto can be in his ear, but you want to make change, hit pre-court in the wallet. And that'll actually maybe push Josh Wolf out. Yeah, and I think we're going to have to start seeing more and more stuff in the actual, like, stands and supporters section about Wolf out. I know a couple of people have brought, like, small signs and stuff, but um, we're talking, like, actual full-on pushback. And, like, I, I think we're all on about the same level that with the performance of last year, Wolf probably should have been let go. 
They decided to back him. We all said, okay, fine. Like we'll get on board with this idea. We're not going to complain about it all off season. Um, Cause that's, what's going to happen. There's no point. And even knowing all of that, Roto would have been totally within his rights to fire Wolf at halftime of that game. Yeah. And I've seen some talk already of plain banners and things like that happening later in the year, potentially. And, you know, not when I say later in the year, I'm talking like next few games, if things don't turn around fast. So, yeah. Um, so we're playing that uh, kind of flat four, three, three. Um, you know, we said it's the same old, same old. So I don't know if we need to talk tactics too much. Um we looked okay on set pieces. Um, yeah. Like I, I I really don't even know where to do the analysis on this at this point. No, I, I'll tell you. You mentioned set pieces because obviously we, we did bring up someone from – I forgot the name of the coach, but uh, from FC2 to coach set pieces this year. And it wasn't even a full set piece that I was looking at, One of, but it was actually a throw-in. And we, we ran a play almost like an out-of-bounds in basketball. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a pick play where we ran a throw in and actually got a, we ended up getting a corner out of it uh, oh. in the offensive offensive attack in the first half. I was like, well, that's different. So what actually, they actually, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. It was actually creative. It was something different. It was nice to see. They actually stole this from Arsenal. Who's been doing this all year where they basically run a pick and roll and then like lob it to Odegaard on the end line. Yeah. It was that point. Yep. And like it works wonders for Arsenal. So like if you're stealing stuff from very successful Premier League set pieces, um, keep going, do it <laughs> as long as you can yeah, get it to work. And I mean, a corner is not the worst result in the world out of that either. No, and it was the, it was yeah. the only corner we got in the first half when they had like ten. Hey, yeah, I, they, they had were in double digits, something like that. They had eleven <laughs> first half. That's <laughs> just an absurd stat. One I for mean, every person on the field to take a corner. I mean, apparently well, Minnesota I mean, only had 2.1 XG in the first half. And I swear, watching that match, it felt like it was somewhere between four and five. Yeah. What a useless stat. Yeah. I was going to say, that seems more like a flaw in XG than... Yeah. Uh, I mean, XG is always inherently flawed. I mean, just like the shots total and the shots on goal, like the disparity there just went to show like how much... Austin just had nothing in the first half. Like that's why we talked about it being one of the all-time worst first halves. There was nothing to celebrate. I think it I mean, might have been right we, after the. We, Go ahead. If we have a repeat performance of that first half in Seattle next Saturday night, it will. Pro- and even Seattle lost at LAFC yesterday, but Seattle has a um, young signing they got from Argentina, Pedro de la Vega, who looked outstanding in the thirty minutes he subbed on. If he starts, yeah, he and and I mean that could. I mean, I would not be shocked if we lost 7-0. I don't think it will be that bad, but, like, it has the potential to be real ugly on Saturday. Well, it, I hate to break it to people, but I doubt Dre Usi plays next week, even if he's healthier healthier on turf. There's no way they're rolling him back on turf for the first game back. Yeah, I was going to yeah. mention the turf thing. I don't, I don't think there's any chance. Like, maybe they'll throw him on the bench and he'll play 10 minutes if, like, we're – down a goal in the 80th minute or something, and they need some magic, but um, I, I can't imagine they're going to risk him. Why would you? Like, yeah. it's not like we're going to win that game if Driussi plays. I mean, we did you win know. there last year somehow, and we're Ethan Finley and uh, Sardis goals, but I guess anything's possible. Yeah. Um, I think they're a little sharper, at least coming out of the blocks, it looked like. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't think we're better. It's it's weird if you go through the offseason, you don't really add a ton of pieces, and the pieces you do add, you don't play. You, you don't improve. I, I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> I, I, it's just the thing I picked up yesterday. <laughs> and right now, I just pulled up the weather forecast for Seattle on Saturday. We are looking at a um, cloudy at 33 with overcast showers and possible snow. Maybe uh, we're just really bad in the heat. Wait, has Austin ever played a snow match before? Austin has no. never we... played a snow match. Uh-oh. I think the coldest match, I think actually the coldest match we've ever played was at home against Cincinnati, the 5-0 match. That's what I was thinking too, because I was comparing it to like the weather yesterday, which is gorgeous. But no, like let's bring out the orange ball. Like let's do this. Yeah. I'm game. Let's yeah. Fuck some shit up. At least let's that'll be interesting of... to watch. Yeah. Let's be different. This is what we were complaining about last year. Like, let's be bad in a different way. Or let's at least be interesting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to be bad, let's be like Quake's bad. You know, when yeah. they were playing, when they were man marking and playing insane games. Like, that was more fun, at least. Or like, you know, Luton has jack shit for resources, but they're always a fun watch. <laughs> um, you know, you, you'd think we could pull that off. But the subs come on. Let's talk about some of the good stuff. Um, subs come on. Uh, Rubio's a lot more active. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Obreon, at least a speed threat uh, down the wing. Um, Valencia short of the midfield. We had chances. Um, Evan, you got a fire alarm? Yeah, Charles, what's going on? Um, no, my fire alarm just went off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. So I think we're going to lose Charles for a second. Um <laughs> But I, like I don't, I don't know where you guys want to start on this because we had a couple chances even before the big ones. But um, I guess let's do the the super glaring one where uh, Minnesota gets a corner, we clear it, they take a shot back, and Stuver throws this miracle like perfect pass down to midfield to somehow worse haircut than last year Emiliano Rigoni. <laughs> hard hard disagree. Oh no, dude! Like Dijon colored, Dijon mustard colored hair. No, thank you, sir. No, multiple people around me in the supporter section commented about how good it looked. Uh, no, 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 no! Like those people are so like so drunk <laughs> by that point that, that that does not count as a fair and valid point. Like this whole trend of, but I will say it's not the worst hair I saw in the league yesterday. That has to go to Ilya Sanchez of LAFC oh. and his a white guy rocking corduroys, and I'm just like, no, no. Absolutely not. And with the head and the headband. <laughs> yeah, the headband is what made it worse for me. Like white guy no. with cornrows, whatever, I can get over it. Like the year is twenty twenty four. He's not the first person to do that and do it terribly. The headband made it so much worse. <laughs> um but Rigoni, he gets a uh three on one by the time he gets the ball down the field, it's actually kind of mm-hmm. like a, a backtracking three on two. And he doesn't go for the goal, and he doesn't take an early pass to give the attack the other attacker, which is Obreon, and Owen's kind of overlapping too, um, time to you know set his feet or anything. And he pops it like waist height, so there's nothing he can do with the ball. Uh, defense is already recovered by the time he can bring it down. Is like we know he messed it up, but like is this uh, you want him to draw the guy and try to pass it? Uh, would you rather him try to take it to the goal and score? Like, I, what do we expect out of Rigoni here? I didn't mind the pass. 
I thought the pass was the right decision. He just made the decision 30 yards too late. Yep. Because um, if you look at the play, sorry, if you, if you look at the play right after they get past the midfield line, maybe 10 yards past midfield, Obreon's on the right, streaking by himself with defenders with their backs turned to him. Get the ball ahead of him where he can run onto it while the defender is trying to make a recovery, and Obreon's in alone at full speed. Where at when he got the ball, he was having to slow up to try to get to it. Like that was the wrong play to me. Was he just waited way too damn long to make that decision? Yeah, and the pass was behind and yeah. at awkward height. And yeah, even um, if it's even if it's behind or past Obreon, at least you give him a chance to run on and still make a play, right? You, you you give him no margin for error making that pass eight yards out from goal. None at all. And, I mean, I want my DP winger trying to take that to the rack and score, but, like, I'm also kind of fine with, okay, you threaten the goal and you draw the defender, and now your guy you're passing to has way more space. Basically, just not what he did is all that we need to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Seth, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I mean, I just think that we just didn't we just didn't have any rhythm at the point. Like, it looked like a team that's like, why did we have a month and a half of preseason? Like, isn't that the kind of stuff that you're supposed to get down and practicing in preseason and going out to California for ten days, spending a week in Florida? Like, is it like you're building the chemistry both on the field and off the field? And it looked like those guys had not played games together whatsoever. And in some cases, especially with some of the subs, that was literally true. But this is just like that team did not look like they had had an offseason. But I mean, like Rigoni's in a band. He was just at Coachella. Is the problem with the rhythm modern music? It's just like every, like, I mean, again, it's game one of 34, or I guess, well, who knows if we're playing in an open cup, and I guess at least two league step games. So game one of 36. Um, so as we go through that, like, it, by, Laws of averages, it has to get better. But, like, if you guys can't connect on simple passes and timing, um, we might not just be competing for a wooden spoon, but we might be competing for, like, an all-time MLS wooden spoon. Yeah, that was one of the things that infuriated me about the press conference was um, Josh's insistence of, well, this isn't what we've been, what it's looked like for the last six or seven weeks, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I remember when he also said that two years ago three years ago <laughs> and at some point like that's an indictment that he's not a good coach right like he either can't convey correctly to the players what they're supposed to do or they're not listening to him and either way like that reflects poorly on him like this is the first game this is when everything should look the clearest because the players should have a better understanding of just like going through training camp and instead like you can tell that as soon as another team that goes on goes on the field and doesn't play the exact same style against us, we have no idea what to do. Maybe we got too used to playing uh, 120 minute games. Didn't no, know I, mean, how to I will say it, it is like as much as we go off on Josh Wolf, I thought it was interesting in Will Bruin's comments last night that he got to a point of like, Josh Wolf is a great guy. Yeah, sure, Josh Wolf is a great guy. Might I'm sure he is. I might enjoy playing AT with him. I think I would enjoy shooting the shit with him in a casual way on a on a podcast like this. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday. I don't think like he's a bad human being. He's just not a good coach right now. Well, and Charles, you said like at some point it's on Josh. That point wasn't last night. It wasn't, you know, at the latest it was the middle of last year. Um 
for that point where it's like, okay, dude, you're just not either this job or, you know, coaching isn't for you, something like that. Like something is not fitting correctly. I, I think coaching is for him as an assistant. Yeah. And some guys are like that. Yeah. Some, some guys are meant to be leaders in the head coaching capacity. And some guys are just meant to be the tactical guys in the back who teach the tactics, but aren't necessarily the ones who are out there pushing every button. Right. And I think that's Josh Wolf. Um, for me, he's, he's not someone who is inspirational enough to kind of get in people's ass enough, like screaming at them when they need to be to get them to motivate in the right way. Um, but if, you know, I, I like it back to American football, right. Probably makes a hell of an offensive coordinator. Do I want him as the head coach? Hell no. Yeah. And I mean, that's, we, we kind of touched on it earlier too, is he's trying to push every button. You can see the players in countless situations where it's basically like they freeze and they go, well, what would coach want me to do if he was controlling me as a PlayStation character or whatever. And that you just can't actually play this fucking game that way. Yeah. You need someone above him that, that can stop his worst impulses. And we don't have that on the sideline right now. The person above him that, that, can, that can do that, unfortunately, is wherever Roto sits in the stadium. Um, but he, he he can't be the one on the sideline pushing the buttons because he's just not that guy. He's, he's showing that over and over and over again now through four years or three years in a game, whatever you want to say. Well, uh, according to McConaughey, it's only year three, so... Um, not that we expect him to know that since he's always at, uh, LAFC games. I I think the other question I'm going to have this week, especially now that Drew's he hurt seeing what we look like without him and trying the midfield, we did knowing our options. Does the conversation change quickly about the international spot for Val Noel? Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I think that's a, that's a possibility that, like, okay, if Val Noel was on the bench last night, would have you brought him in? I would have brought him in for – I probably would have started him over Owen. Woo! Virtual Van Dyke just scored for Liverpool, so we'll take that. But um, there's a um, – as we go through this, that, like, yeah, I I don't know if I would have start, – because last night, if I were coaching, I don't think I would have started Noel. I think I would have started Valencia and would have had yeah. Owen ready to come on as a sub. I would have had Noel – I mean, I would have probably had him on there instead of Hector Jimenez, but then we would have been super thin at um, backs as well. So I don't know. Like our, our options, like I don't, I think Noel might have cracked the 20 last night. I don't think he gets into the game. Is the problem I mean, you're that also it's... forgetting that. Yeah, go You're ahead. kind of forgetting that Owen's also the backup at left back. And so if he's on the bench, then he's the backup at like five different positions. Yes, Owen is. If Owen is healthy, he's in the twenty, no matter what. That's clear. Well, I guess it. You know, it helps if your mom's sleeping with a coach. <laughs> um, is the problem that we're too reliant on Owen in all these spots? Yeah. Like, I know the short answer is yes. So, but the like, short answer is. Is that sort of a we're trying to rebuild the team necessity thing, or like how can you have one guy who is the backup at three to five spots? It doesn't work. It just simply doesn't work. We are currently running out a roster with, what, 23 of our 30 spots full? Like, that should not be allowed in MLS. Is is the minimum roster size what? for MLS and, only 18? 
Uh, no, minimum roster, who I think it might only be 18, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, I think one of the things that we're going to have to keep in mind this year is just that, like, we are in the middle of a teardown. And... Well, then fucking tear it down and don't play the same starting lineup as last year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> look, look, here's the thing. I, I legitimately think that the only way for Roto to influence Josh's lineups is to buy out or sell the players that shouldn't be playing. And until he takes those steps, it's very clear that, like, this is just what we have. And whether it's, like, calling up FC2 guys or 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 whatever it is, but, like, he's going to have to do something fundamentally to where Wolf isn't allowed to pick those guys, like, not having them be on the roster. So you're saying we need to be, like, the scene in Moneyball, where Brad Pitt just basically traded the players that... Uh, the manager kept pitting in or how yeah, like he kept pitting in yeah, he and just traded, traded uh, and forced him to play the first baseman he wanted to play. Yeah. Cause he traded away uh, Carlos Pena who was, who ended up being yeah. rookie of the year um, yeah. and two other guys and got in Mike McNanty and that moved Hatterberg to first full time. Who was a very good first baseman. Um, but yeah, like, at Chris some Pratt. Point, like <laughs> back when Chris Pratt was Anna Ferris's husband. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot I'm talking to the resident A's fan here. So this is perfect. You are. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Not like not like I've not like I've read that book ten times. Um, but yeah, like at some point, like you just have to like the only way you're gonna influence the roster is or by influencing the lineup is by changing the roster. But I also don't think that like we're in the middle of really like we still have to have enough guys to play, which I think is kind of like the balance right now. And until the summer window opens, like this is the team. Like it's gonna be really ugly. And you know, Seth mentioned like being like an all time bad team. I think we could be. Uh, I went back. I, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, but I went back after the game last night and started to really relook at these first 10 games. I am struggling to find a, I don't want to say a layup win, but a game where I think we're going to at least be competitive enough to win. I mean, Minnesota doesn't have a coach. They were without um, some of their best or two of their best players, I think. Um, we're at home. I... But 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 you're, Devin, you're applying a logic to MLS. Yeah, I know. And if, if we've got, if watching this league for years hasn't taught you anything, is that we will pull three points out of our ass somewhere. And oh, we'll be, like, we'll be Philly we or that? something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Also, Winfrey also Minnesota's coach. Like this also, is. Yeah, this team does like I I, there, I feel like there's different teams in sports that like there's the like moniker of like you play to the level of your opponent. We don't do that. We just spin a random wheel and decide. Okay, sometimes we're really going to show up. Sometimes we're not going to show up at all. Like it is the variation of what you can get in terms of an Austin FC performance is greater than most things I've ever seen. And I will say the how much we can stink is also just like that is. I mean. Occasionally, we do see like, oh my gosh, I see how Josh Wolfball can actually work, but that is few and far between. But it is like the spectrum of where we can play is just ginormous, and that's something we sort of just have to accept. Charles, did you want to add something? Oh, I was going to say that, like, yeah, Minnesota was on their second straight interim coach, but their coach is better than Josh. Like, he had a much better idea of what they were doing and how they were playing than anything that Josh does. And looking at the schedule, like. Away to Seattle next week, hosting St. Louis, hosting Philadelphia at Orlando. 
um, home to Dallas, home to San Jose. We've still never beat at St. Louis, at Houston, Galaxy come to visit after that. Like, it's not that this is like that tough of a schedule, but it's also that this team is bad. I just don't see where the points are coming there. Where where do we get our first point of the season? I'm with Seth. It's got to be like MLS crazy random stuff. Like, there's nothing on the board right now that you look at that you're feeling good about. Yeah, I mean, well, you, 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 so assuming Philly beats, um, doesn't choke against Saprisa, they will be coming back from a midweek match against Pachuca before they play us. St. Louis City will also, assuming they get by Houston, which I don't know if they will, but they might. They're up 2 1 after this. They will also likely be in the middle of a uh, what you call it, home and home with Columbus. So CCC could help us out. Okay. That would be nice. Uh, after and, winning, Yeah, Orlando could also be there with match fatigue. I mean, more, Orlando played a nil-nil draw with Montreal last night. But then again, they played Wednesday in Victoria, BC, and then Saturday at home in Orlando. Like, that is – even a trip to Azerbaijan in the Europa League isn't like that. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, though, like, we look at somebody like Philly, is they're – B squad better than our A squad? Like, I know that's true for LAFC, but... No, I, actually, that's not true for LAFC. LAFC's mm-hmm. roster is actually in a worse position than ours right now. They just have actual better... Like, if you look at their overall roster build, like, they have... Like, look at the starting 11 they ran out. LA, as much as we complained about lack of information in the preseason, LAFC didn't tweet out a starting 11 graphic for any of their preseason matches. I mean, they still had Buanga, so... Yes, but it is... Yeah, again, the top of their lineup is obviously better than ours. There is no doubt about that. But, like, they have major, major depth issues. And if you start looking through it, you're like, and they're going to go buy a bunch of players in the summer window. as Well, hopefully we will too. But, like, it, it's an interesting point at where we are in the league right now. I'll make it at least entertaining from a neutral perspective. It might not be fun from an Austin fan perspective, but it'll give us something to talk about. Well, something to talk about would be nice. Um I mean, we kind of talked about turning over the roster a la Billy Bean, but are, are we confident that's going to happen in the summer, or are we just hoping? Well, I, I would tell you, I would love someone like uh, Mikel Dessler. Um, hopefully, I know he got hurt on Thursday in Europa League. I don't know how bad of an injury that was. I don't know if any of you guys have seen more information about that, but hopefully he's fine by July because having a real top-quality fullback would dramatically improve this team. I mean, would it though? Yes, because we could actually have someone who could play up. Like we had, like we needed someone to even get the ball to our midfield. We couldn't do that last night. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, if you have eight guys who are absolutely terrible on the field, is like having one better one really that big of an upgrade? It, it at least at least provides something to r- people to raise their bar to. Okay, true. I can take that. I mean, there's also just the theory that, like, soccer is a weakling sport, and the idea of just, like, improving your worst position will dramatically improve the rest of your team just by not having to cover for it as much. Um, The problem is just that Austin has so many weak links that it's going to take a lot of effort to even make it manageable. Yeah, we're dealing with a rusty chain right now. Um, (laughs) It's not one link that's the problem. (laughs) Uh, I do want to kind of get into this because it ties back into one of the other big chances we had. Uh, Alex Ring with two kind of giant major mistakes. Ooh. Very uncharacteristic of him, one on each end. Um, Brad, I know you were uh, 
not pleased about the defensive one. If you want to kind of take us through this. Wait, I'm trying to remember it now. So we uh, essentially like recovered the ball. um, A nice recovery. Owen passes it off to ring. And then he just absolutely like doesn't notice there's a defender running right next to him and hands. uh, I think it might've been Pookie, like a, a guilt edge chance. Uh, oh, in the first half. Yeah. We're still at zero, yeah. Zero sorry. Point. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were going to the second half at this point. Sorry. Yeah. Back in the first half. Yeah. That was going to be my moment of suffering, to be quite frank with you. Um, I, passing the ball directly to the opposing team's DP striker in the box is a hell of a strategy. Like, never seen that shit before in this league. Well, I guess I did last year with, with Kippy a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, Alex. That first one was wild and something that you don't see out of him. He's more of a heads-up player than that. I don't know what he was thinking. It's He's not someone who's been programmed, I would think, by Josh as much. At least it doesn't feel like it because um, he doesn't seem like he likes Josh all that much. <laughs> um, you know, Otherwise, once we moved Alex a little forward up last night, he played a lot better, um, which is weird because we've all been wanting him back in his defensive midfield crush role, but – you think Valencia might be better in that role now than Alex is, and Alex is better in that true midfield role, um, moving box to box a little more. But that play last night was that coupled with his passing on a one on one opportunity with keeper last night. I was about was to go there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the other one I was talking about. So um, whoever wants to lead off on that, go for it. Well, I think like uh, he had to have been surprised go. just that like Diego Rubio was able to make that pass to him because I don't think an Austin FC striker's ever made a pass like that before out of that position. But it just it was one of those perfect moments because it was right down my line of sight where I was sitting in uh, one oh four. And uh, you just saw it, and you're like, oh, the pass slipped through it. No, it's Alex Rain. He's one one of the keeper. And then he, what? He's, no. And you just kind of, like, sat there, and that was, I mean, that was going to be my moment of suffering of just, like, that was the moment I realized that nothing positive was going to happen from this match. Yeah. Um, on the edge of that uh, that Rigoni one, too, we had a nice ball flash through. I think it's Obreon throws it through uh, the zone of uncertainty, and Rubio just sort of barely misses it. Um, then starts pounding the ground afterwards, and I was like, "Oh yay! Somebody like gives a shit. That's that's nice. Uh, we'll we'll get this out of your system soon. Don't worry." <laughs> yeah, like I don't. Yeah, like I don't think the problem is ever that the players don't care or aren't trying. Um, I just feel like there's just so much that just doesn't work yeah. that there's only so much that like any one player can try to attempt to do. But I can tell that they all at least like care. Like, I, I don't just, feel as though any of them were just, like, being lazy. I just want to know what Alex, what was going through Alex's head when he's one-on-one to not even think about chipping the keeper, anything? Because St. Clair was pretty far out yeah, trying to cut down an angle there. Well, I, I think mean, it's can the you same imagine, like, like you, you put that in there. Like, we have a serious chance at getting the most undeserved point possible last night. Yeah. Like, in a weird way, like, I'm almost glad we lost because if we had gotten a point out of that match, it would have set up a lot of more false expectations of, like, oh, well, we played, like, absolute garbage but still got a point. Ha, ha. Now it's like, okay, people realize, like, there's a real problem here. We did not solve the problem. 
which I sort of like for having some fire under our backside. Yeah. Um, I, I don't love the like playing like shit and still getting a point as a mark of champions thing. Um, playing well is the mark of champions, guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but just to sort of like pivot off your question, like, are you guys happy we scored? Obviously, like everybody likes a goal and it was garbage time and it wasn't, you know, the greatest thing ever. Owen gets one over to our our buddy uh Biro and his spiffy uh debut patch on his jersey. Um new guy gets a goal that usually excites people, but um the kind of context of the season and actually getting things fixed. Uh do you think scoring is a good thing, Charles? Yeah, scoring's good. Um, I think, uh, that, that is the play of the game is to try to score goals. Um, goal, not, goal to, win, not goal to win strategy, possession. Yeah, no, there's no mark on possession for, or there's no mark on the scoreboard for possession. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of goes to show that like, I thought Bureau made a really good run and the kind of runs that Gallagher makes on the right when he's playing with more of a wing back. So maybe that's kind of more of the expectation eventually. Um, you know, it's going to be a joyless season and we have to enjoy whatever we can and even scoring the most meaningless goal in the history of goals um, because the game literally ended right after um, <laughs> it's still I, positive I uh, I was walking past the new station to my car uh, when I heard the stadium erupting and goal score I was like oh something good finally happened <laughs> so I didn't even see the goal till I got home and watched it on my phone it was a very it was a nice pass from Owen, but it was a very awkward finish. And if he didn't have nine years to hit it, um, yeah. probably doesn't go in. But hey, went in the back of the net and in front of the supporter section, so that's always good. I mean, just build up some confidence there. And but I mean, right now, I mean, hey, at least he got in that position. But as I've already gone off on this podcast, like he is, he needs to be in way better shape. And I hope that he can get there in the next few weeks because he's going to be playing a lot of minutes because we actually haven't talked about this. Like it was great to see Sean back out there. Ooh, um, sorry, Chelsea just hit the post. Uh, but there's a, um, uh, John did not look good last night. I mean, he looked okay on corners, but he is still getting himself up to full match fitness. He looked invisible for parts of the match. And obviously I want him to be successful here, but he's not, he's not quite where he needs to be yet either. So agreed, but also, good God, do we need him in the game to take corners because Rajoni yes. is shit at taking corners. Oh, that one at the end of the game, I about threw something. Where he drilled somebody right at the edge of the 18 box? Yeah. Yeah, no, like he didn't even get it to the guy's head on the front post. No. Like he, he hit he the guy's foot. Hit a damn line drive. Yeah, and this is when it's, you know, one nothing in the, whatever, 85th minute or something. Oh, and it just, I think that killed any momentum we had that we were going to come back and get uh, get any sort of point or anything from that, um, among the many other times that happened in the game. <laughs> I I guess, do you guys want to talk about the ref? Because we kind of have to. Sure. Because um, sure. um, I try to keep this stuff in Slack, but I always have to remember Slack is a public forum. But there's a... Um, yeah, I mean, the information, like the ref, act, the main official last night, who was a college ref, as I found out after the match, like, seems like he actually did a pretty good job calling the game. Uh, obviously, like, individual people can choose whether they want to cross a picket line or not, and I'm not here to do the moral judging on that. I can let you guys do that. But, like, he actually did a fairly good job. However, the assistant referees were consistent. One of the things that the uh, – 
PSRA was talking about is that to work an MLS match, you have to pass a fitness test. The main ref passed, would have passed a fitness test. I don't think either of those ARs would have. They were not running fast enough. They were not in shape, which is honestly fitting for how we were playing last night. <laughs> and that, I mean, the second goal, I mean, it was fairly close whether it's an offside call or not, but that's a situation where you just instantly get like, it was not properly handled. They did, they were not in there. Like that was not their finest. And especially as you start getting down to these assistant referees, a lot of them just are not able to handle the rigor of this and I haven't seen apparently it's coming out in about 20 minutes whoever's going to be officiating tonight's inner Miami Galaxy match but apparently it is some crew that is going to be so awful that it, is, it should be must watch TV on yeah. Apple TV tonight so maybe MLS can make a few more dollars on commercials by this yeah anything anything to get viewership up I guess um, yeah. yeah no I didn't think they were good but I don't know like the, the center ref at least I don't think he was good but I don't know if he was any worse than a normal MLS official I thought he let a lot go last night, right? It was a physical – I thought it was – and I've seen that be a trend, I think, in the few games that I've been able to watch so far this week, is they're they're letting more physical play happen. And Minnesota adjusted to that well, and we did. I thought Minnesota in the second half figured out this, this person's just not calling a whole lot, so let's see what we can get away with. And Austin never adjusted. Yeah, I, I think there's a general sentiment of the couple of matches I watched yesterday that the replacement refs are just a little less willing to make a big decision or make a big call. Um, I thought that I know I thought there should have been a bar check on the foul against Obreon in the box where it looked like the Minnesota defender came through the back of his leg when he was attempting a chance that I thought should have at least gotten a look for a penalty. Um, they were did they? Yeah, uh, the, the on-field ref didn't. Uh, yeah, I, thought, I didn't. I didn't think they did because it didn't seem like the on-field ref got a notification about no, it. Yeah, he did. They, um, he held the game up for a few minutes. And so, uh, but yeah, like they definitely allowed it to be more physical. But I think in general, like Austin doesn't adjust well when there is physicality to a game, um, and that's just kind of like a hallmark of the team. I mean, I thought the refs were okay. Like, I I thought the the offsides call at the end for the last goal was pretty tight both sides, and I haven't seen a good angle of any, of either of them. Uh, I watched it back this morning, and and the first ball for sure is on side, even though it looks very off on the initial um, viewing. If you look at the cut of the grass, he's on side. Yeah, I've only seen the like very heavily angled pick that you really can't tell. Yeah, it was also interesting. What Valencia still got a yellow card, so like they weren't that hot. Like it's like okay, I guess Danny didn't get a yellow last night, but like you could have a U twelve crew out there, and I feel like Danny and um, Johanna would still get yellow cards. Um, there was only one red card issued league-wide yesterday, and that was to Veroni on the Revolution. There was two yellows that he picked up within the first half hour. They were both boneheaded yellows. So, yeah, I'd agree with you on the whole that the refs played it more conservatively. Yeah, I, mean, I thought Valencia was lucky to only get a yellow on that challenge. Yes. Uh, you've seen them given, as they say. Um, Seth, do we have any kind of, like, updates or talkings or anything about when that situation might actually get resolved? Oh, I think it's going to take months to be honest. Um, so that the, um, a federal mediator has been called in um, for Wednesday. Usually you don't get to a federal mediator until you, until you're further into this process. Both sides have filed complaints at the national uh, labor relations board 
Like, this is nasty. I mean, having a 95.8% of membership vote against a potential agreement. And right now, the MLS slash pro is willing to give them a little bit over a million dollars. Um, the refs are asking for a little bit under $3 million, which it's funny as someone who in my day job works with far larger numbers than that doesn't seem like it's that far apart. But in terms of how this is all being structured, it's pretty significantly far apart on these offers and like a lot of these assistant refs get screwed. A lot of them are making less than 30,000 a year for this. And that because you have to work Wednesday matches, you have to do other things like that makes it really hard to have a real full-time job while doing this. So like there does need to be some considerations and there's just been some lying from the side of pro. Um, I also think that it's a huge mess that if you notice on all the games that they are not announcing who the VARs are and what we think is happening because Mark Geiger VAR three matches yesterday because they moved VAR has now moved from Atlanta to Dallas this season, which is, I don't know why that happened, but it did. So they're in some random building in Dallas proper off 635. But um, it is a, um, so it's going to, I think instead of having a, a VAR and assistant VAR, you have like three or four VAR guys like in a booth there trying to like go between matches. It's sort of like Gene Steratore on like an NFL thing here trying to go through that. It's like, we're going to call on the rules expert is sort of like how the VAR has been pivoted to for a way for them to save money in this process. It's a mess. That's not great. I actually sort of like the idea of a centralized VAR, like the control room type of thing that they have uh, in some sports, but not the way MLS is doing it um, at the moment. Uh, one guy doing three games is too many. Yeah, I th- I, to, to be fair to them, I think it was like, okay, he did the crew game, then he did the Philly game, and then he did the Portland game. So he wasn't doing simultaneous games. I, I should say that. But, like, it is, it's not a good situation right now. No, but, I mean, even, like, that's still six hours of var and your brain's going to get tired. You might miss something. Like maybe not this week, but like that can't be a consistent thing that's going to keep happening. Yeah. Like maybe you forget to draw the lines or something. I don't know. But maybe you forget to tell him that, you know, Luis Diaz was actually onside. I don't know. I'm just throwing uh, out ideas. Yeah, I, 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 we, we are still in a live match. I'm not going to comment further <laughs> on that. Um, all right. You guys want to get into the format stuff? Sure. All right. Uh, we got to do these. Um, Stock rising. Brad, you want to go first? Uh, I mean, it's got to be Rubio, right? Yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, I, 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 He pretty much, I think, is cementing himself as going to be our first choice striker within the next two weeks. I don't know that you run him out there as the first choice next week with the turf, but week after, back home, yeah, absolutely. Charles? Uh, I was going to say Valencia. I thought he came on and uh, really kind of solidified the midfield and kind of gave us at least a like semblance of, of formation and form of what we were doing. Um, and that was really kind of where Austin, that was the only time in the match that Austin looked confident. Yeah. Um, Seth, do you have a stock rising? I guess I have to go Brad Stufer because my first two were taken by my fellow co-panelists here. Those were my first uh, two, too. <laughs> yeah. So, like, as, as we go through this, like, Stufer played outstanding last night. And as we talked a little earlier, just shutting down some of the critics that we have seen so far in this of, like, yes, Brad Stufer is still a really good goalie in this league. And he should still be leading this team for in, for the indefinite future. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it, but Stufer is the only reason this game wasn't over in the first 20 minutes. And he created our best chance. 
Yeah. Like, the fuck else do you want the guy to do? Can we tell just real quickly props for the the arm cannon for that yeah. throw, by the way? Oh, the backspin too? I wish I could yeah. do that with a golf club. That's that is quality, man. Yeah. I mean, I know the guy can play cornhole. I've seen that in person, but damn, he can he can throw a ball too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go a little outside the box here because not a ton of great choices and pick uh, Will Bruin. For his uh, co- his uh, commentary and kind of giving us a little like actual player insight into, into some of this. And um, I think it definitely helped everybody kind of like open the conversation up uh, about what actually needs to happen here and, and hearing it from inside definitely, um, I think, helps people out. I'll do, like, an honorable mention. I tend to to rag on Julio a little bit, but um, I thought he was actually pretty good last night. Um, but I'm going to stick with Will, yeah. Um, stock falling, uh, I'm going to go first and just say yes. <laughs> um, but I think in reality, it's probably Gallagher for me. Um, he... Hanna was invisible most of the game and then gets subbed off uh, when he basically played like every minute of every game last year and kind of wonder if something's going on there um, or maybe he just had an off night. Who knows? Um, Brad, how about you? I mean, uh, we kind of touched on it earlier, but it's Kalmanich, right? We were all excited. I know he's coming back from injury. We're all excited to see him, but he, he looked lost during the run of play last night when you're only – value is a corner kick or set pieces that's not enough yeah especially in the system uh seth stock falling i gotta go with alex ring i mean we've we've already covered his two boneheaded decisions in this match and just when you come out as captain like uh, at first i was like okay julio's not starting juicy's not playing that it's like ring's gonna be the captain um we saw uh, no like okay last year it's like one of the more controversial decisions we're gonna make juicy the captain well let me tell you alex ring is captain made absolutely no difference last night i can say let's put that one to rest yeah uh charles uh Assuming the stock can fall further, Giassi Zardes. Um, I just. <laughs> oh, I think it fell. I mean, he. It. I think last night was the first time I I watched him and was completely convinced that he is not a professional love of soccer player anymore. At this stage in his career, like you know, Father Time is undefeated as always, but he he offered absolutely nothing. He couldn't help the team in possession. He didn't press anybody. It just. It was it, it was like playing with ten men or really nine um, of just not having enough people out there, and I I just don't want to see him out there in any any like long term minute capacity anymore. Yeah, uh, and I mean we talked about this ad nauseum last year when he wasn't producing. He's on a three or he was on a three year deal, and last year was supposed to be like the the big year, and then maybe he kind of falls off towards the end of it, and we're kind of seeing that come true, like you said, Father Time's undefeated. Yeah, like he's like eight hundred thousand gam for the next two years, um, which makes makes him like I think outside of I think him and Hedges are the two highest paid non DP guys. Well, um, and they're just so much money to spend on somebody who just can't is, do anything. Is Jossie guaranteed next year though? I'm pretty sure it's three guarantees. Yeah, just like why are we giving contracts to people who are over thirty for more than two years? I mean, put them on options five, but like, give me a break. Like, are we still, are we, like, are we still blaming Claudio for that? 
Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, Hedges wasn't like Hedges is not Claudio's fault. Like Claudio was gone by that point. Uh, I think Wolf is part of the blame for this pre-court for signing it. Like, there's just a lot of suckers around. Yeah, I think you can put Zardes on a few people. Because that was, like, being agreed and negotiated when Claudio was still around, but it's pretty clear he's, like, Wolf's guy. And, yeah, I think it's multiple people. So we'll uh, we'll just blame everyone for that. Let's start, we'll, we'll put that one on pre-court, um, like you said, for signing the deal. Uh, we kind of kind of did a few of these already, but feel free to go ahead and repeat them if you want to. Um, Charles, your moment of suffering. My moment of suffering was the first Minnesota goal, but not because it meant that we were down one nil, and it's not because of of uh, the inherent just like killing of the vibes that that happened. But Brad Stuber is legitimately a great human. And he's one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. And just once, I want him to play behind a defense that knows what it's doing. Because he is such... <laughs> he, is, he, he does so much to keep Austin in games that isn't appreciated. And at this point, like, I really want Brad to escape to a team that has a competent defense in front of him so he can get the recognition he deserves. Because, unfortunately, goalies are recognized for their team success and their team stats more than their individual success. Um, and so I just, I just don't want to keep watching him have to have to do this over and over again. Yeah, that got more depressing. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Brad, how about you? Oh, we touched it already. Um, ring passing directly back to Pookie. Yeah. In the box. And if it wasn't for Brad Stuver, it's a goal. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Seth, how about you? The other ring one, just like you're down one. Oh, you desperately need a good shot. We haven't gotten a good shot all night, and you pass up that opportunity. I'm surprised I didn't check my phone across halfway across the 737. Yeah, that was like because I, I watched it back this morning. It's like two minutes after the Ragoni thing, too. <sighs> um, so it was like kind of double combo. There was a nice moment, too, by the way. Um, uh, it's not actually a nice moment. It was just really funny where uh, somebody cleaned out Rigoni and he's like writhing around on the floor and Biro is on the sideline and just picks up the ball and chucks it um, <laughs> sort of back towards the middle of the field and uh, like hits Rigoni in the head who's laying on the ground. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, oh my God, we're already doing this sort of crap in the first game. Like he didn't do it on purpose, but it's just, just one of those like hang your head moments. Like, come on guys. Ugh. Seth, you're Sorry, right there? For that Sorry for that outburst if you just saw that play in the box. Yeah, you know, I'm watching the – I was trying to actually – I'm trying to time asking Seth all these questions uh, during the Chelsea-Liverpool game when it's sort of in a, a dead period. Um, my moment of suffering, I can't pick the entire first half, but I want to. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm actually going to pick – we had a header in – either like the stop it in stoppage time or it was off of our corner uh, in the first half. And we actually got like decent connection on it and missed the net. Um, but I kind of thought if we had managed to steal being one, one at halftime of getting absolutely slaughtered in that game, we might've been able to get something out of it. And it was just sort of like a, even your hope is pointless type of moment. Um, like we had a few when we, we touched on them, but um, it's going to be a long year. 
I, and I don't yeah, know where I, to go from there. Unless something changes drastically fast. But um, I mean, like, how can something even change? Like, functionally, we, we're not bringing anybody in until at least the summer. And then you said, yeah. what, after that, there's 10 games so, left? So, so, so I, I will push back on that a little bit. The primary MLS transfer window is open until April, and we still have spots available. Uh, we could still bring in players for another two months. Is there anything that makes you think we will? <laughs> I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying that, like, we can. And especially if we get one or two more injuries, which I don't like putting that into the world, but, like, we're Austin FC fans. We know what's going to happen here. Like, we're gonna, we're not going to be able to field a 20. I already support one team that regularly doesn't fill out a bench. I don't want to have a second team that does this. This is – or actually even a third team. I mean, Liverpool has guys on the bench right now. We're just bringing in, like, 16- and 18-year-olds. Yeah. You wonder if there's a loan option somewhere for us to go help, get help like we had last year with Radovanovich during this window. Um, I don't think we're buying anybody else during this window. It just doesn't feel like that's going to happen based on the press conference the other day, which is the one thing we haven't talked about this week, which is the Roto press conference, which I I was actually impressed by. Uh, Uh, Feel free to run with that if you want to. I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, I, I, I felt like I was reassured in a positive way that Roto knows what the hell he's doing. And he's the first person at this club at any level to give direct answers to questions and hard questions with thought and honesty. Because when Josh talks, I don't feel like I'm getting honest, quite frankly. And to the front office and Andy Lockmane and those guys, they're afraid to answer hard questions in public. They'll, they'll answer the softball shit all day long. They won't answer a hard question. Um, so it was nice and refreshing that somebody in the organization was willing to just say what needed to be said. Um, love the fact that, you know, Roto pointed out, hey, look, we've got contracts that we want to move, but if nobody wants to take these guys, what do we do? We have to honor the contract. Um, I, I thought that, He said staring at Emiliano Rigoni. Yeah, exactly. Um, But he was also very forthcoming about, look, we've already got one player signed for the, for the summer, which we pretty much know as Dessler. And that we're close with another. We've never gotten that kind of transparency. So it's just, it's nice to have um, from a sporting director that who's laying out a vision and then letting the fans know where we are in the process of the vision. Because we definitely never heard that from Reyna. Yeah, it's sort of the uh, trust the process. Well, what the fuck's the process? Exactly. Like He's actually I mean, giving us – he's, he's telling you what the process is, which helps. You're expecting transparency from U.S. soccer royalty? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's weird. Exactly. That's the problem. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? Another week of sadness. I mean, at least it's only one game a week right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we will. Well, okay. So this will be my sadness question. If it is announced that we are not in the Open Cup, is that a cause for joy or a cause for sadness based on the way that we are currently playing? 
Uh, for me, it depends on the roster mm-hmm. rules because if it's something where we can play like the kids, like um, Noel we'll be or able someone to play like the that. Kids. Not to say that. What? We'll be able to play the kids in any format. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like Open Cup, right? So I want to play. Yeah. Um, but plus, I think, you know, us versus USL team is a pretty evenly matched game, and we might actually win. Um, so I would like to be in it. If we're not in it, it's going to suck to a degree. But at the same time, you know, we're not winning anything this year. Unless we pull a, you know, what was it, 2014 DC, who had 30 points and still won Open Cup. Yeah. Well, it's not <laughs> like we have a great cup record in the past. Hey, I mean, the, the, um, defend back-to-back Copa Tejas champions, don't you know? That's true. It's actually going to be funny. Hey, we're going to pull. We're going to pull off. We're going to pull off the treble. It's going to be Copa Tejas, U.S. Open Cup, and Wooden Spoon. Yep. I was going to say we're going to be uh, record-holding Wooden Spoon winners <laughs> and still win Copa Tejas. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, that's what that DC team did. They 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 won the spoon and they won Open Cup. I, th- I said 30 points, and I think I'm being generous here. They might have been more like You are. Yeah, I think they were 19 or 20. Now that I think more about it. They were they were awful. That's kind of impressive, to be honest. But uh... <laughs> Oh, well, I'll add another moment of suffering. Um, we had a bunch of um, MLS teams go on the road in CONCACAF Champions Cup, and none of them lost um, in midweek. I wanted at least someone to lose midweek to be like, oh. hey, see, it's a little harder. No. Oh, can, yeah. can I add to that, Seth? Yes. Can I add to that? Can you guys list all the teams that uh, lost at home in MLS so far this week? It's a short list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it one team? It's one team. Huh. <laughs> I think that's a good note to end on. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's hope it gets better. Uh, is my message to you. At least it's only one game. We're going to keep lying to ourselves and uh, say that until it's proven otherwise. Um, So on behalf of Charles, Brad, and Seth, as always, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.